Welcome to episode number 12 of the It's Worth a Thought podcast. We're glad you decided to join us today. And uh, this week we were joined by John Deactis. And John is the executive director at the Center of Hope uh, here in London, Ontario, not too far down the road from us. And John joined us today to kind of share his experience of... Um, dealing with mental health and uh, physical and emotional health too and uh, and what he's learned and how they strive to help people and, and what we can learn from that as a church uh, as we kind of move through this year and the, the pandemic. Yeah, mental illness is something that, you know, it's kind of a hot topic and it's out there and it's definitely on the rise through this time. And so it's good for us to have these conversations and it's good for the church to be talking about. For a while that wasn't the case. And uh, we believe that the Bible has the answers to mental health issues. And we believe that Jesus Christ is the solution and the hope that he brings. And I, I'm glad that John is from the center of hope. I like that. And we believe that uh, Jesus Christ brings hope. And so uh, it's not maybe an easy solution. It's not a solution that uh, happens in one conversation. But if we don't start the conversation, we'll never get to the solution. For sure, yeah. And John did a great job of bringing uh, to light some scriptures and some examples of people in the, the scripture who struggled and uh, some some things that Jesus gave us to have victory. And one thing that I really love that John touched on, especially near the end of the conversation, so you want to stay, stay tuned until that part, but he talked about... Um, the fact that, you know, sometimes we don't know what we can do to help other people. We're not experts like John is or like other people we've had on the podcast, and we feel like we just don't know what we can do. Uh, but he talked about the fact that sometimes the best thing we can do is just be available. Just be there and be available to help other people. And I thought that was such a helpful point and was uh, very encouraging and helpful to me. And so I know that you'll, you'll learn something from this conversation as well. We're honored that you joined us today for this episode, and so hope that you enjoy as we tackle this conversation about mental health. All right, welcome, and we're glad that you joined us, and uh, we've been talking about things in our life that if we don't uh, deal with them, they can define us, and uh, tonight is a, is a broad topic, it's a big topic, it's a topic that has become more prevalent uh, in our society, I think there's even a, a national day to talk about these things, and uh, even in the church it's become a little more prevalent to talk about, there was a day, an age uh, in the church where this is kind of uh, a topic you didn't discuss, and that is the topic of mental health or mental illness, and so today we have with us John Deactus from the uh, Center of Hope. Uh, ministry, and so he's here to kind of walk us through and uh, answer our questions about mental health. So, John, welcome to our It's Worth a Thought about podcast and, and, and program. Uh, why don't you start out by telling us a little bit about yourself, introduce yourself to our uh, congregation. Sure. Thanks. So, yeah, like you said, I'm presently the executive director of the Center of Hope, which uh, I'm sure most people will be aware of. It's the Salvation Army. Uh, it's a shelter, largest shelter in London. We have a lot of people programming with the second largest food bank in London as well. So we talk about my career. I've been in this position about 18 months now and of your career. So it tells you how old I am, I guess, and where I'm at. But, um, you know, I, I've spent 40 years in mental health and children, mental health, adult mental health, and uh, 30 years in youth ministry. I, uh, people joked with me that I'm the uh, grandpa of all youth pastors up until last November when I resigned uh, is at Westview Baptist Church here in London. Um, also a trauma counselor with a cert certified trauma counselor. Uh, so have done lots of counsel, lots of uh, work in that area. And um, yeah, so, you know, I think lots of uh, things in my career that have led me down this path. I knew right from uh, day one that 
you know, when I hit university, this is kind of an area I wanted to be was to helping out people. And so I've done that through youth ministry and through, uh, you know, being in social services and helping folks along the way. Yeah, that's awesome. So, I mean, tonight as we're discussing mental health, I think there's a lot of things that can kind of fall under the bracket of or the definition of mental health. It's, it's definitely a broad subject and maybe even some, a subject that uh, some people don't have yeah. a great kind of grasp or understanding of. So in your uh, in p- opinion and your expertise, what are some of the areas or things within mental health specifically that people uh, struggle with the most that you would say uh, from your work over the decades? Yeah, and, you know, it's interesting over four years, it really hasn't changed a lot in terms of what they are. I think they've gotten a little more um, difficult and, and, you know, when you see mental health issues, to figure out how to help folks and, and, and they just seem to be dealing with uh, issues today that we did 20 years ago. But I think, you know, typically the, the areas that we really focus on uh, as a society, when it comes to mental health, is certainly of compulsive disorders, uh, you know, different phobias, depression is, is certainly a, a struggle. Um, you know, we talk about mood disorders and bipolar, uh, eating disorders, personality disorders. I mean, all these fall into the mental health area. Uh, one that I think we're we're learning more about every day is you know PTSD, post traumatic, um, you know, as a mental health issue, uh, <clears throat> and then you get right into the psychotic disorders and. Uh, you know, so it's it's quite the variety of things, and, and they all have their own extremes and their own lows. And uh, you know, whenever we deal with these, it's each person's so different. And you know, you can have depression and talk with ten people, and it's you know manifests itself in ten different ways. So you know, it's uh, but those are typically the ones that you know you would typically talk about in general. Yeah, so many aspects and so uh, so many different, like you said about depression manifesting itself in so many different ways. Uh, but what are some trends maybe that you're seeing in the mental health field uh, today? Yeah, um, I'm not sure the age of folks there, but if you uh, can think back 10, 15 years, the government um, made a decision that they were going to start to clear out some of the mental health facilities, the hospitals. And what we saw is a lot of people coming out and then lost, not knowing what to do. And so, you know, this began uh, a real need in terms of support, which I think is lacking, and uh, lack of funding. So those are two big trends that continue today. Um, You know, you can always tell when an election's coming up because about six to eight months before an election, the government will say, we promise to give this much money to to um, addiction and mental health, typically mental health that overrides addiction most of the time in in, uh, government. Uh, policies. Um, and then they don't win the election. And then that topic's forgot about because, well, we would have done it, but the next group doesn't. But then another election comes up, much money into mental health, and then they lose. And, and to be honest with you, it almost feels like a career full of promises broken uh, because of uh, different parties coming in and out of, of government. And so, you know, there's been a lack of uh, support financially that way. But in the last four or five years, our present government has uh, made some commitments and actually uh, came through on most of them. I think there's still a long way to go, but some money has been thrown into the mental health field. It really is awesome when you compare to the past. And then they start putting some, um, some things around those like, you know, well, this is only for new programs and this is only for this. And so, you know, some of those programs that are 
uh, been hurting. And yet every year there seems to be an opportunity to build on your capital, to fix a window, fix a roof, fix a something, but no money going into the help and actual support of. I think another trend, I think it's starting to change. Um, it's hard to say right now, but I think they're, and, and I'm talking about the Christian community here as a part of the trend, because I think they are. And, and this is a, a, an example of pulling together a meeting like this. And a, let's talk about it because that was not talked about in the church in the past. And it's been a difficult topic to bring up. Yeah, I was saying, uh, in, I've been in youth ministry, I was in youth ministry for 25 years. I thought I was the oldest youth pastor, but I guess maybe I wasn't. And then Pastor Levi now has taken over as youth pastor at our church. But even I remember years ago in, in our church, I remember the first time we had a lady come to our church, and she said that she struggled, um, she had uh, panic attacks or anxiety, and I thought that was the first time I ever heard of that, Like, which is so i mean that was my thinking that was so new to to our uh, our, our church and to our movement even to even talk about those kind of things and so i think that's a good trend uh that we've seen is that if the discussion is open even in the church to talk about those things yeah so you talked a little bit about in the last four or five years um and some trends there but you mentioned earlier that you've been in the position you're in now for 18 months and so uh Almost half of that now has been dealing with, you know, 2020 and the, the pandemic. And so I'm uh, sure it's not uh, your typical first 18 months um, at a new job. But can you tell us a little bit about the last uh, year and uh, maybe specifically how the pandemic and, and a year like 2020 has uh, affected the community as a whole and what you've seen, how that's affected people's mental health? Yeah, I mean, we, we've certainly seen the effects, no question, um, of, of uh, COVID with mental health, um, you know, we, we're seeing more and more people not able to stay into a shelter because of their mental health. So, you know, shelter is a great emergency place for people to stay, but, you know, people come into those places violent, then, you know, there's consequences to that. And so we're seeing more people on the streets living in tents. Um, we know that uh, even in the London area, when COVID first came within the first uh, four months, uh, even just around, so at the Center Hope is at Horton and Wellington, and there's a lot of folks camped out around our place for, for a variety of reasons. Um, within about three to four months, we saw 20, uh, uh, no, sorry, but in between 15 and 20 deaths from overdose. Um, and, you know, people were just not coping uh, at all, and it was a struggle and not sure what to do. And, and we're still seeing increases of overdosing from a year ago. Um, and, and we relate most of those to mental health. Uh, <clears throat> we see, um, so I think percentage-wise, we're probably up about 25 to 30% across Canada uh, with overdose uh, deaths. And so I think that's been one of the biggest uh, things that we've noticed. We've noticed more people uh, looking for society, looking for folks to help them in their, in their plead. Uh, you know, we've opened up uh, more places for people to get food from. And so they're just not even capable to figure out how to get a meal in, when they're on the street. So, you know, I think we're seeing a lot of things that have come from COVID. We've seen an increase of behaviors because of fear, right? I mean, anxiety is a mental health issue and people are more anxious. Um, <clears throat> I'm actually seeing uh, this anxiety piece even worse now than it was when COVID first came. So, you know, we all kind of had this fear of what it was. They started shutting everything down. Churches shut down. They went online. You know, lots of things going on uh, that way. And so there was this fear of what is this virus? What does it do? What's the, you know, how long do we have to go through this? I think starting at the end of August, 
uh, we started to see the second wave come through. And I think that's even created more angst than even the first wave. So I think what's happened from that is uh, people are struggling as they are. And then there's this unknown, like, you know, how long is this going to go on for? And if you're already struggling with anxiety and depression, uh, you know, imagine, you know, uh, being depressed, you typically are off on your own or you isolate in your home and you're, you know, you're not out. And, you know, one of the best things you can do for your mental health is to go for walks, to get out, right? So people aren't able to do that. They're not able to connect with people, go for a coffee with a friend, go to church, meet up with people. And so we're seeing the, the effects of the second wave in that people are even isolating more and the depression getting worse getting deeper and the anxiety is getting deeper. And uh, not and, and I think we're also seeing people who've never struggled uh, outwardly like that with mental health. <clears throat> it's coming forward now more than it did in the first wave. So yeah, I think there's some things from COVID that have created lots of anxiety and, and you know, increased depression uh, and how people respond to it. Yeah, it's interesting you said that. I mean, I don't personally, uh, I'm not someone who struggles with anxiety <clears throat> myself, but even some of the things you mentioned are questions I've had and conversations I've had with myself over the last few weeks and months, things like, you know, how, how long is this going to go on? And the uncertainty of, you know, what's a new normal and all of these terms that we've kind of come accustomed to over the last few months, uh, even as someone who's not necessarily someone who struggles with depression or anxiety, these are definitely questions and thoughts that I've had over the last few weeks and months. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you see that uh, life kind of rolled along for year after year and things are a little bit different, but all of a sudden now we all have to wrap our mind around a global event that has changed the way that the world is run. And so it is definitely something that we all have to wrap our mind around. Yeah. And I also think, you know, um, when you look at this, I mean, people, what are people doing right now? They're watching news because they don't know. Well, the, probably the worst thing you can do for depression and anxiety right now is watch the news. Right. And so you talk about those who are struggling with mental health. They stay in the house. They have their TVs on. Uh, that's a source of relief for them. And the news is just every day. I mean, if it's not about Trump, it's about, it's about COVID, right? And so people are just stuck in on what's going on with mental health because that's what's on the news all the time is about COVID and how many people are dying, how many people are in hospital. We don't have enough hospital beds. I mean, you know, if you if you have stations like CNN and other stations that aren't Canadian, it's, it's like 24-7. And, you know, people uh, get focused on that and that's all they focus on. And so, you know, if you want to, if you want to do more damage to your mental health, right, watch CNN. <laughs> yeah, that's great. I think, which kind of leads me to our next question. We were saying like if, if we could kind of maybe stay away from uh, the news a little bit would help us all. But is there anything else that you can think of some practical suggestions to help uh, all of us with our mental health? Not talking about even people that maybe have mental health uh, issues or <laughs> would call themselves something that struggles with this or that. But just for all of us to stay mentally healthy during unusual times, give us some practical suggestions other than not watching CNN all the time. Yeah, there's, I think there's lots, but it also depends on where you're at within your, your crisis, right? And within your trauma. But I think, you know, it's, it's the usual things. It's about uh, making sure you get plenty of sleep, right? It's making sure like get those eight hours, drink lots of water, you know, be connected somehow, you know, uh, at our church here that uh, my wife and I attend, we have what we call connect groups, people come into those connect groups, even if they haven't made the service. So our, our connect group is like, let's talk a bit about what came from the message, right? What came from the service? They mean, and we're doing it right after our church. So our church goes 10 to 11. And we have our, our group at 11 o'clock. And we're finding this trend of people coming into the connect group and not even attending the, the message before, right? And and they're like, just want to talk about my life. And, you know, can you pray for us? And, and you know, and, and then it becomes this group that actually does it back and forth. 
they're now coming into the group meeting, into our Zoom meeting, and they're the ones saying, hey, how are you doing, you know, to each other as they come online, and, you know, how can we, you know, what can we pray for, how are things going? I think, uh, you know, when we talk about the news, that we really do need to take a look at what we're spending time doing in general, and, uh, you know, um, and if we're not doing something that's healthy for us, then we just need to watch that anymore. And, you know, more and more I'm hearing people talk about, I just don't watch the news anymore. I know what's going on out there, but I just don't watch the news. Um, you know, I, I'm not a great sleeper. So I'm telling you about something I don't practice well. I get up in the middle of the night, I do my devotionals and, and uh, I can be up for an hour or two. And then I, you know, sleep another two, three hours and then I go to work. And, um, but I think one of the things that I've been learning in my devotionals this, this time is, you know, we can look at COVID and be fearful of it. Um, and we can be anxious about it, or we can embrace it and see what can we learn through it. And, you know, I think there's a spiritual piece to that of embracing it and seeing what God's going to do uh, in my life or around us. I think it allowed me to draw closer to God because I actually focused on that as part of my devotionals for a good month. You know, God, how do I deal with this? Like, what do I do? I don't want to be worried about it. And I'm not. But it's not about just not being worried about what can I do next because of that. Uh, you know, at the Center of Hope, we, um, you know, we could see this as disastrous and it has been for the work we do. Uh, but, you know, people have been very generous. And so through this whole COVID season, the Center of Hope has received, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars in grants and funds and donations to do things we never would have been able to do. So, you know, it's, so it's about how do I embrace that and how do we see this to God's glory uh, as an organization, as a center of hope? How do we put this into things that we know are going to be best for the residents and clients we work with? So, so I think church connection is very important. It's not always about, um, you know, you come to church, you're going to, you know, you're going to get a message here. I have to preach to you, but it's about living out the Bible and how do we help people and how do we show grace to them and how do we, you know, make them feel connected. Uh, in other times. I think another time is, is, you know, really look at our personal time with God. We all had extra time. I mean, everybody was shut down, you know, when this started up and, you know, how did you use that time and how do you look at the time you now have? And, you know, hopefully people are recognizing, you know, I, I can't afford 15 minutes. You know, I can find that time easily or, or easier now than I have in the past. Just some of the small things, you know, I think is really, um, some people, uh, you know, I, I know for my wife, she loves reading and we get so busy that, that was out of the picture and she's read more books in the last eight months than ever. And there's a joy to that for her. So finding those things in her life that bring some joy, whether it's reading a book or, you know, for some, it's just shooting hoops, whatever that may be is to find those little things that just keep, is it planting flowers, you know, whatever it may be, look and get those things and then just build on some of those small things uh, in her life. You know, some of the common ones, you know, stress balls, those kinds of things, um, do a random act of kindness for somebody, you know, you do something nice for somebody else and, you know you're going to feel a little better doing that, even when you're not feeling great before you go do it. You know, there's always pieces of that that there's a, a little bit of a high from and in, in doing that. Um, walking and exercise are, you know, common ones. And, uh, you know, we have a recovery community center at the Center of Hope and it's folks who are in recovery. Uh, we have three things that you would have at a gym in there because exercise is so important for those who are struggling, struggling with mental health, you know, in their addiction as well. Uh, deep breathing exercises, you know, just that mindfulness of just focusing in on God and just relaxing and how do you just calm yourself and learn how to do that well. You know, there's yoga, I think, is a really good one. And, and you know, and I know there's a lot of uh, Christian churches that struggle with this, but I really look at yoga as something that's just a way to relax. I think when yoga first came out, it was like clear your mind of everything. And scripturally, I think that's really dangerous. 
But I think yoga is one of those things that you can just go to and just be mindful of God, but you just start relaxing your body. You know, you, you clench up those parts of your body that, uh, you know, I, I lead a, I led a group with some men in, in this and, you know, we just started off with, you know, squeeze hard in your fists and just squeeze, 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 and then just let them out slowly. So, you know, those are some of the, the things that we do. And you know what? I mean, if you don't have an animal, like find a dog, find something that you can pet. You know, it's <laughs> it's like uh, we don't have an animal, but you know, it's just find something like that that you can just take your mind away from your depression, your anxiety, and just do something like that as well. Yeah, I'm, I'm not a cat fan, so I'm not going to say cats. <laughs> Reaching to the choir over here. Uh, no, I love that. A lot of practical ideas. I mean, things. I like what you said too. I mean, it's it's different for everybody. It's going to be. Uh, person-centered depending on you know what you find joy in for for your wife it's reading and for others it's going to be uh something totally different but uh but i love that and i think you're kind of speaking to this already a little bit but can you um help us understand this a little bit better but is mental health uh, a physical emotion sorry a physical problem an emotional problem uh, strictly a spiritual problem a combination of the three can, can you speak to that yeah. a little bit yeah the answer is yes all three Right. You, you know, we see that in scripture. We see that in, in uh, people living out their lives. Um, you know, you talk about emotions. I mean, let, let's read Psalms with David. Right. And just see. It's like I always tell everybody, I think David's one of the most uh, mental health uh, clients. I, I don't know that I'd want to work with David. He's just, you know, he laments and then he's happy and he's <laughs> you know sad and he's happy. And, you know, there's so many stories of Elijah where it's a mess, you know, and so I think there's all kinds of stories that we see scripturally that that talk about this and, and, uh, you know, we can contribute some of this to spiritual warfare, of course, but, you know, this is also a mental health thing. And we see uh, stuff in terms of the emotional, you know, it's, um, you know, we talk a lot more today about uh, post-traumatic stress. And, you know, we've talked about it in the past, but uh, to me, it felt like it was an excuse. So, you know, we had folks come back from the war and they had PTSD. It's like, okay, well, that, yeah, that's good. Let's, let's move on. But I think today we understand it so much better. You know, we understand the brain better. I went to an addictions uh, conference and all they spoke about was the brain. You know, every speaker spoke about the brain for three days. And so we're recognizing how the brain operates today better than we ever have. And, you know, when the neurons aren't connecting well, you know, think about your days when you're having a rough going, you just can't focus, right? The neurons in your brain are just not connecting. And, and imagine what that's like 24 seven with some folks who are in, you know, having anxiety and struggling with, you know, how do I, I get through this? I think, you know, Jesus in the garden, I think he had some struggles going on as he's, you know, trying to figure things out as well. And I think, you know, we see time and time again, these biblical figures that um, have struggled with these mental health issues. Jonah was a mess when he's trying to figure out what to do now. These are all related to, you know, and I think, you know, I don't think the Bible says this is what spiritual illness is, but we have all kinds of examples and, and all kinds of examples that Jesus uh, gave us to, to work with this and to help with this and to deal with this, you know? So, you know, I, I think that there are lots of issues, you know, and, and imagine, um, you know, struggling with some of these things from a spiritual context, and then, you know, uh, being able to focus on them from a God perspective, and, you know, seeing some relief because of faith, because of God, and that freedom that comes from that release of being anxious 24-7, and being, you know, in situations that you're always, your mind is just firing off all the time, and being able to focus and relax around that, you know, gives us a moment. Uh, people struggle with physical ailments that I think are related to mental illness. Right. Or mental health stuff. And they, so they're struggling with mental health. And, you know, I, I said not to almost too many times. I shouldn't. Have, it should be mental health is what we refer to it. And I think when, you know, people are struggling with mental health issues, it can come out in, in many things. 
you know, that uh, it could be joint pain, it can be pain of different things. You know, there's many things that manifest itself out for mental health issues that I don't think we're, and I think we're recognizing more and more uh, how that operates and how the brain works with that, how PTSD, uh, this all works because the brain, once we can get the brain to slow down, because what ha what's happening is the brain is just shooting off all over the place. And when we can slow it down, it allows for healing. And so, you know, if your brain is going off 24 seven and you imagine put yourself into a, when you've been in a crisis for like just 15 to 20 minutes, what's going on in your brain, right? And you become a boss on an accident or something like that. And just your mind's going, okay, what do I do next? How do I get this? You go get help. You do this, you do this, you do this. You know, imagine that 24 seven, right? And that's what some of our folks are struggling with. So you think, how do they rest at night? How do they sleep? I tell you to get eight hours sleep. And they're like, yeah, you don't get it because this is an area that I'm affected by physically that I don't have that opportunity because of this, you know? Um, so yeah, I think those, I think the answer to those really is it, it does affect all three. Um, and sometimes the trauma we go through is not just, um, it's not just necessarily long-term. I think, you know, when I think of trauma, it's pretty amazing because, you know, when I was at Quentin Warner House with Mission Services as the addiction um, manager, you know, we would see these 65 year old men who are living in a residential place come down and they were in in tears because of something that happened to them as a child. So, you know, that, that, that trauma that happened to them as a child, still not dealt with, is affecting them in so many other ways. You know, I mean, certainly addiction, but, you know, health-wise, their body, their, their internal organs, like everything is affected by, by mental health. And then we have that, that episodical thing. So something happens and it creates that, uh, that episode of trauma in our lives. And, you know, if we don't figure that out quickly, it's just going to continue on and on and on. And we don't get that opportunity for self-healing when we, when we go through this and start to settle things down within us. So, so I think it affects all three for sure. Yeah, I think that, and I want to touch on something that you said about the mind just keeps firing and keeps firing and keeps firing. I've heard that many yeah. times, and you know, it's easy to say for us, well, just don't think about that. You know, get that out of your head and, and put that aside. It, it's not that easy, obviously. Is that like something that just takes a long time to work your way through? Uh, is that something that you know, you can have victory, you can claim victory in the name of Christ today? Or is that something that just takes time? Because sometimes we would say that, you know, well, you know, Jesus gives us victory, which I believe that. But is it yeah. that easy to say that when your mind just keeps firing those negative or, or anxious thoughts? And, you know, I think the interesting thing is we don't understand that sometimes. I think the church, this is what I talked about earlier, the church didn't understand that. And so, you know, those folks would be discouraged that they, you know, think, okay, I don't have a strong faith because I have this mental health issue. I'm, I'm, I'm feeling depressed. I'm feeling anxious. I, you know, that's a spiritual issue and I'm not doing well in my faith. And I think, you know, I mean, we may not have handled it well, but I think Jesus did. And, you know, I think he taught us a lot when it comes to helping people out. And, you know, I mean, we, we hear it in the scripture all the time. He, he loved to help the suffering, the long suffering. And, you know, as we learn more as a church and as Christians, how we just need to show more grace, uh, then I think we affect uh, faith in people as well. So, you know, I remember this happening at, at my church. You know, this guy did show up on a Sunday morning. Uh, he had his dog and he had no place to live. And you knew as soon as he came in, he was struggling, you know, with some mental health issues. Um, and I remember one of our ushers saying to me, he said, we need to watch him. It's like, why? He's come here to see Jesus. <laughs> like, let's, you know, it, but I think we sometimes um, see those folks who are just a little off for us, that it's a little struggle. I'm not sure I want to deal with this. So let's just, you know, do this. 
But I think, you know, as Christians, we have this great, great opportunity to share Christ in a way that he, he did back then in the, in the day. And that was to show grace. And, you know, I mean, his disciples, they, yeah, they needed a lot of grace <laughs> at times, you know. And, I mean, he showed grace to, to so many people. And I think, um, you know, I think that's part of this whole uh, emotional peace horse. And I think, again, I think the church is getting better. This is, uh, like I said, this is a great example of pulling together a meeting like this so we can talk about it. Uh, it's not a horrible subject. It's one that we need to chat about. And even if we know nothing about it, and it's a great topic to have so we can learn. And I'm so glad that you're doing this because this is really an area we need to go in the church, in the Christian churches. So you've mentioned, uh, I mean, lots of other scriptures and even Bible characters and exa examples. Um, but are there some kind of go-to passages that you'd use maybe perhaps in uh, working with somebody or maybe you're counseling uh, a Christian or even a non-Christian who's struggling with some anxiety or PTSD, as you mentioned, some sort of mental health uh, trouble? Is there some sort of go-to passages that you would recommend that we yeah. would look at the scripture? Yeah, that's a great question. I, um, I have a kid who used to be a kid, an adult now, he used to be in my youth group. And I got a call from him a couple of weeks ago, and um, he uh, he called. He is about five in the morning, and I was awake, and just responded back to him, and and he says, "I need help. I, I need help. I don't know what to do." He says, and he, he's he struggled a lot with mental health, um, anxiety, depression, but also addiction. And uh, I said, "Okay, here's what you do now, and then let's touch base in a couple hours." So. So uh, we came back online together and I said, okay, you know, let's, let's zoom together. He says, no, I don't want you to see me. I'm a mess, you know? So he says, but I want you, I want to know if you would spend time with me right now. Like, can we get together once a week? Right. So we actually got him into counseling with a, another person and I'm doing this one. one thing with them. And really what I'm focusing on is uh, who are we in Christ? Right. And I, and I said to him, I said, you know, I mean, I got to tell you, you're like an amazing guy. And so I use scripture that that talks about um, who are we in Christ? And, and then I'm going to work towards freedom in Christ as we do this. So, you know, I want him to, you know, it's a simple verse, but John 3, 16, I wanted to know how much Jesus loves him. And so his homework this week, because I just started this with him, I said, I want you to go and, and just focus on this. Why did Jesus make me? You know, and, and, and he's like, and, you know, as I asked him the question, his tears came down his eyes, right? And it's like, Jesus made you for an amazing reason. Like, tell me about that. I want you to go home and actually think about that. And I want you to spend some time in the Word looking at that for yourself. And I gave him a couple other scriptures. And it's really about, um, you know, recognizing that the church doesn't have to be a place of uh, guilt and shame. I think there's enough of that in the addiction field that we don't need that anymore. And I think the church needs to be a place of grace. And so I'm teaching him what grace is going to be and how he needs to forgive himself. So we'll talk about forgiveness. And we'll talk about, you know, what that looks like when we forgive ourselves and how we can move forward from that. And, and I'm going to get to the point where we talk about the freedom that he'll receive by bringing himself into a, a relationship with Christ. Because he did have one back in high school. Um, I wouldn't say he's the strongest Christian youth kid I ever worked with, but he got it and he knew. And we had great conversations, you know. And um, so I think I go back to those verses that talk about forgiveness talk about grace, talk about who are we in Christ and what that freedom will look like when we go through this process together. Yeah, that's so so good. And I know that uh, I was reading in my Bible, uh, David, in one of the Psalms, he was talking about how, we're talking about how sometimes our mind can't stop focusing on something negative. And in this Psalm, David was saying how his mind couldn't stop thinking about 
how that God was thinking about him. And in fact, that overwhelmed him to the point where the wonder of the fact that God knew his lying down and his rising up and God knew all about him and God, that, that thought almost has those negative thoughts uh, sometimes overwhelm us and control us. He was on the opposite side of, of that at that time, letting the goodness of God and the mercy of God and who he is in Christ overwhelm him the other way. And I thought that was a, something helpful to me uh, as I talk about mental health. Yeah, it makes me think of uh, Psalm, Psalm 139 when David talks about the fact that he's fearfully and wonderfully made, that God knows him, uh, that he's you know created on purpose and specific, and, and for God has a purpose for his life. We see that all throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament. Uh, and I, I love that you mentioned that idea of you know who we are in Christ and that identity, and I think that's a, a little bit of your, your youth worker showing there with you, because we see that a lot in, in working with youth ministry, that uh, especially younger people, teenagers, are still trying to figure out who they are, not just in Christ, but who they are in this world. Um, is there anything that I'm just thinking of this now, but is there anything that we can do as a church, uh, that can better show young people as they grow up in our churches, um, you know, who they are in Christ? Uh, I think maybe at times we maybe put on a facade, uh, maybe we're not always real about where we are in our spiritual life. Is there anything we can do better to create a culture for our young people to know, um, you know, you're accepted here. You don't need to find acceptance or validation or identity anywhere else, but you find it here. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, you know, for a long time, um, I was receiving stuff from people on a Sunday. You know, did you know that the youth broke the light in the dim? Oh, do you know that there's a hole in the wall? Now, one of my one of my youth leaders was a guy who fixed walls, so that was good. I get it fixed before Sunday once we started that. <clears throat> but what I started was is um, prayer warriors, and so I got my people in the church praying for specific kids. And I'll tell you, that lasted for years and years. And this young guy who um, that I'm meeting with now, uh, his prayer warrior passed away uh, a few years back. And he had been his prayer warrior for probably good 10 years. Uh, and he came back to the funeral because of that, how important that was in his life. Even though he was not living a life, but he knew Ron was praying for him. So I think as a church, uh, especially with youth, I think... Um, you know, the struggles that they're going through as teens. And, you know, when I talk teens, I'm talking like those junior high, senior high kids. They're trying to determine their faith now based on not what their parents' faith is. And I think that's crucial for us to understand that. It's not that they're necessarily being rebellious, right? But they need to understand it for themselves so that they can uh, internalize that for themselves and who their relationship is in Christ. And so I think as a church, as people in the church, I think uh, what I focus on my prayer warriors in and as, as people who with these kids, and I remember someone complaining about, um, you know, I, honestly, it was a broken light in the gym. And I said, did you know Johnny gave his life to Christ that same night? And it's just refocusing what, you know, the issues are. And I think our kids are going through incredible things that, that I didn't have to go through because they have instant access to it, right? So whether we like the internet or not doesn't matter, they have access to it. So what they're getting today is real life right now, wars of, you know, across the world. So as we as adults, as Christians, take uh, spend our time doing what Jesus wants us to do is to show grace in their behaviors, show the love of Christ, regardless of who they are, that whole unconditional love. Uh, I'm, I'm telling you, 30 years, and you know this, when, when the kids receive that message from uh, somebody, they're like, they're pumped. They just feel so good about who they are in Christ. And about themselves because these kids are growing up not feeling good about themselves right i mean we we have this horrible thing that we we put all these teenagers in a box and this is who you all are and you know each one of those kids is an individual each one of those kids has their own history their own past their own issues 
there and and so the more we love them and show them god's love in everything we do whether it be word or actions um, one of my favorite things of doing is is setting up these prayer warriors i said you know i would love that it became more than a prayer warrior and, and with my leaders i did this i would love for you to take one of these kids out and go shopping with them if that's what they want to do it's not about anything else it's about let's meet them on their turf let's get out there and so you know the whole focus we focus on winning kids to christ building them up in their faith uh, and, and then equipping them with what they need. They're going to come back into, and they're going to continue in ministry. They're going to continue loving Christ and, and, and doing that same mantra, right? Win, build, and equip. And I think, you know, the more time we spend with them in their own uh, back backyard, um, and, you know, maybe it's by Zoom right now. I know I get that. But, you know, the more we can put pour our life into somebody, uh, we're pouring God into that person. And I think the more we can do that as a church the more we're going to see these kids uh, get something that actually has yeah so good with uh, working with youth and uh trying to pour our life into them we appreciate that so much uh something our church needs to work on and our youth group uh, certainly do that how can with all the rise of mental illness and the pandemic and and cnn news and the negative messaging what how should the church respond like what should what should we be doing now we see all this we see the problem uh you know we're not afraid to talk about it in church but what should we practically be doing as a believer as a church to move forward so, so you kind of went in and out on me sorry your microphone went in and out on me so we're just looking for practical things that our church should be doing to respond to the mental illness crisis right now. Yeah. So I think doing something like this is really good because I think we need to understand as a church that um, mental health can affect any of us. It can affect you as a pastor. It can affect you as a congregational member, as a Sunday school teacher. The more we understand this topic, the more we understand what it's about, I think the better uh, way we have to respond to it, right? So I, I go back to this word of grace because I think it's such a powerful thing when it comes to mental illness and mental health, that uh, when we can show grace to those who probably have not received grace often in their lives, it, it's, it's just sharing who Christ is in our life, right? And Christ in our heart, and we're, and we're sharing that with others. I mean, we're, gonna, we're going to encounter folks with mental health and, and to, to take away that label and take away that shame that, you know, people who come to our doors or people struggling in our church, people in our own church has been there for maybe grew up in the church, maybe a pastor afraid to talk about it because there's some shame and guilt behind it all. I, you know, my brother, um, when he retired, uh, he, uh, he went into a deep depression, right? And I didn't see him. Like he, he became very uh, isolated. He didn't want people to know about it. And, and, you know, it's like, he like was off. And, you know, when we recognize that we don't have to be mental health experts, as a church, we don't have to be. Um, you know, we just need to stick to what we do well, and that's sharing Christ. And you know, the the thing behind that is that when we do that, then we become part of the team. You know, some people may need medication. That's not wrong, right? Some you know, people are made to feel like taking medication for mental illnesses is wrong. It's not, right? It's just another piece of what we need to do. But when we can, when we can treat. Um, people as uh, fellow image bearers of who Christ is and encourage them, whether we encourage them to get medical help or we encourage them in their faith, that we be available to them. We walk with them, you know, walk them through the journey, right? Uh, and sometimes that's hard for people because we don't want to know the past. And, uh, you know, sometimes it's pretty scary. Uh, you know, I mean, it's interesting at the Center of Hope because we have this main area where a lot of the guys uh, stand. And, and just the other day, I walked by this guy and he says, hey, you. He says, 
I'm insane. It's like, oh, all right, you want to talk? You know, and, and like, we just are given opportunities all the time that we just don't even recognize. You know, I mean, it would have been easy for me to say, okay, okay, you know, I got, I got to get going, right? But to stop and start talking to him and to know absolutely he's not, right? And to just, and you know, it's, it's kind of like those folks who are on the street corners. We all think they're mental, mentally ill and struggling and drug addicts who want money for... And you know, I said this to just give me a show of hands. How many of you ever stopped that person begging on the street and took them for lunch? It's like, well, what do you mean? So no, I, that's that's what this is about. So as a church, we had this one thing that uh, the medical fields don't have, that the other the mental health fields don't have, and so we have Christ. And so we got a great uh, opportunity, we have great responsibility scripturally. Because if you don't do that, you're in trouble. Uh, but it's like we have this great opportunity to share something that's just part of their journey. And spirituality is very much part of people's journeys, regardless of how uh, their illness manifests itself. It, it's a great opportunity for us of the church to show Christ's grace, to show his love, to show his what, how he cares for people, especially those who are long-suffering. Right. And so that's what he did best as well. Like he was great at it. So, you know, he's our role model in it. So let's follow it, you know. So, so yeah, I think as a church, uh, and you know what, every time, like I got two chaplains at the Center of Hope, and uh, my one chaplain actually lives in St. Thomas. Um, and, um, you know, I said to him, you know, Jared, what, what is it that you do? Because he prays for people every day. Like he'll just stop what he's doing and just pray right there in the, in the middle of, you know, of everybody. Like that, he just knows that's, that's my way of speaking Christ into them. And people around, so we've actually started, a, my church is now doing micro churches, you know, it's, um, and so we actually have one at the Center of Hope. You know, we, you know, we start out with four people and we're up to like 12 people coming from the, the homeless sector doing church service on a Tuesday afternoon together. You know, it's just, there's just so many things we can do to bring people into, uh, you know, what our faith is all about. And I think that's what we need to be doing as a church. I love that. Such a great answer. And I think it's it's right on. I mean, you've talked a lot about uh, showing uh, grace, which I think is so important, but I love that your name is the Center of Hope. Uh, and that's part of our mission statement here at Bible Baptist Church is to share hope. And I love that, uh, I mean, John's teaching us tonight, it's so important for us to, to get out there and get creative and put ourselves out of our comfort zone to share the hope that we have in Christ. And I love that you said that, um, you know, we don't have to be an expert. Because I think sometimes we err on the side of inaction. We'll say, look, I just don't always understand mental health and maybe I'm not an expert and so I'm going to do nothing. Uh, but there are things that we should be an expert at. All of us uh, have a testimony of what God's done in our life, the hope and the peace that we have in Jesus Christ. And that's something that we should strive to share with our, our neighbors, our community, everyone we come in touch with. Uh, I was thinking, uh, as I kind of prepare for this conversation, in Luke chapter number 12, um, Jesus is teaching, you know, about, you can, you can think about, um, you know, take no thought for your life. You know, who, who can add any height to your, your stature by thinking about it? But he's talking about the lilies and how God takes care of them and he'll take care of you. And he says this, he says, you know, all the things of these things, these material worries and cares and anxieties, these are things that the nations of the world seek after. And your father knows you have need of these things, but seek ye the kingdom of God. And I think it can be such a great example, um, not only sharing hope, but also living a life of peace. When we show that we have a peace in Jesus Christ and we're trusting God for all of these things in our life, I think it's a great wit uh, witness opportunity and a great testimony to our, our neighbors, our friends, our community that we have a peace and we experience that peace in Christ. Well, John, our conversations, our time's about up here. What do you want to leave with us? Any last comments, any last suggestions that you leave with us in this conversation? 
So I think he asked what last words I have for you. Is that? Yeah, you got yeah. it. Yeah. So, I, you know, I, I think, um, again, I think it's keep the discussion going. Don't let this be the only time you talk about this. Uh, be open with one another. Allow opportunity to talk about what's going on in your life. Don't be ashamed of it. Don't be afraid of it. You know, share with others. Be available to others. This is the hardest one. And you know this in youth ministry. Um, you know, you know, our, our call is to be available to, to youth. And, you know, doggone them, they're, they need us at the word is times, you know. And, uh, you know, our availability to them affects our home life sometimes. But, but the whole thing about being available as a church to help somebody, it's immeasurable. It's immeasurable. And so, you know, as people come to our door, as people in our own churches say, you know, I'm depressed. And, you know, to, to give them the freedom to come and be able to speak about that as a church is powerful. Right. It says a whole lot about the church. And, you know, I think when when people walk into your church that you don't know, they're there for a reason. Right. And just make sure you buddy up. Make sure you talk. Make sure you just how you doing. Do you want to come and have a coffee with us? when we get through all this COVID stuff, right? Like, it's just about how do we engage people who are struggling? So as a church, be gracious. Know that what you're uh, putting into somebody's life is what Christ put into you. And so you're allowing the light of Jesus Christ uh, into others around you that are struggling and struggling and struggling. Just keep thinking of that mind thing, right? Just 24 seven, they're going through stuff. And how do we help them settle it down? How do we help them? In practical ways, you know, I remember a guy showed up at our church and, you know, the secretary called and says, this guy wants to go to the shelter. Like, how, what do I do? So we'll just put him in a cab, use petty cash and put him in a cab. Like, there's so many practical things we can do as well that we just need to see what, what can we do to help and offer those opportunities to anybody in our in our own congregations and those who, who come to our door. Oh, John, thanks so much for joining us. We appreciate the, all the uh, insight and the experience and expertise in this area. It's a big topic, mental illness, and really uh, there's no simple solution. It's a, it's a conversation we continue to have. And uh, things I took away was uh, that uh, if you're struggling with mental illness, if you have some, you know, and you're struggling especially at this time, if, you're, if you know Christ, then uh, love God and love other people is going to help you get through it. It's not, a, it's not a, a simple solution, but it really is. And if you know someone's going through a hard time, then we need to love God and love other people. We need to show them the love of Christ. And we have the hope. We have the message. and just need to get it out to them. And so uh, let's be in prayer for those. Be in prayer for each other uh, during these unusual times as we struggle with these things. And as always, it's our desire on It's Worth a Thought to consider a biblical perspective on mental illness, and that is Jesus Christ is the answer. We just need to get the answer out. So thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for listening to the It's Worth a Thought podcast. If you have questions for us or would like further information regarding our episode and the topic we've covered, you can find our contact information in the description. We hope this episode has helped you to see a biblical perspective on some of life's greatest issues, and perhaps consider that the Bible truly is worth a thought.